This is a Strips Trust podcast. All news and all views expressed in the podcast are those of the contributors, not necessarily those of Morecambe Football Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I believe me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Uh, hey up! Uh, this is uh, Shrimpnet, the podcast of the Shrimps Trust of Morecambe FC. Uh, welcome to episode nine of this of the 22-23 season. Uh, to laugh and chat about the latest goings on in and around the Mazuma. Uh, joining Laurel and Hardy, as usual, we have uh, for today's hijinks, we have the doyen of the full kit boardroom boot room in uh, James Wakefield. Welcome along, James. Thank you very much indeed, David. Um, I'll actually appreciate the, the slightly early recording of time of this because I'm playing football tonight and I will be in full kit and that's why I needed the earlier time. Well, that's good. That's got, that's, we're happy to accommodate. Thank you very much. And uh, from the dressing room, the left-sided centre-back who has established himself as the king of the intercepting tackle this season, it's uh, Ryan Delaney. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Cheers. Thanks for having me. So we'll start as we normally do with... Uh, a review of the last game, which, as we know, was Cambridge last Saturday. Um, personally, I thought it was, you know, I thought they just shaded it first half and we may have just had the better chances second half, but uh, a 2-1 reverse, not not what we were really after, but it all started so well with, I got a text, I've got to say this, I got a text off one of our listeners, Paul Carter, asking for six numbers because I did, I'd forgotten Last week's podcast, I actually finished it off by saying, and we look forward to talking about Cambridge, where Jensen Weir opens the scoring. How did I know that? I have no idea. I have no idea. I got, it's the only thing I've got right in my life. Joel, talk me through Cambridge. Yeah, I thought, you know, it was great to start with the goal. I think we've, we've bemoaned not being clinical at times this season with chances, especially early in the game. So there's been a, a, the, the one against Shrewsbury from Connolly, uh, Stockton's obviously had that one against uh, uh, Peterborough it was and then you got moments like uh, against Fleetwood when we were a goal ahead and we had chances to make it more but we, we didn't and then obviously uh, Jensen Weir goes through and yeah puts it away really nicely I thought to be honest I thought he'd taken his touch in the wrong direction a little bit and shut the angle off but I don't know if he kind of looking at the goal cam angle it almost seems like he saw a little gap at the near post that the keeper was leaving uh, it's kind of stuck it the way there, which is you know really nice finish. I think what's a, a bit frustrating from that is probably we didn't create as much as we maybe would have liked after, from that point. I think ultimately, like we've bemoaned these moments in the past when we've got when we've missed a chance and not had the chance to really take the initiative in the game because we've we've not scored and obviously not got the momentum that follows. And, and this time we have, and maybe just we didn't really make the most of it as much as we could have really. But uh, fair play to Cambridge. I think it's easy to overlook them as a side. And while they are probably one of the more sides who are more on their level, I thought they were really quite good. They, I think they have what, unfortunately, through just circumstance, we probably haven't been able to have over the past couple of years, which is that kind of continuity of management. And, you know, while there's obviously been turnover of players, that's going to happen they've still kept core people and there's kind of, you know, people pass on the values and the, and, and the style and the structure and people know the deal a bit more. So 
you can kind of see where they're at with that. And uh, while they're not good, you know, they're not a Sheffield Wednesday or anything, they're still, you know, a decent sign. I thought they'd put some nice moves together in, in the final third. They were probably, they were worth that goal in the second, in the first half. I thought it was a nice move. Second half, I think it probably evened out a little bit more in the second half. And I think, yeah, I think the frustrating thing was, I think in those last, 10 minutes before they scored. I, I think if the momentum was built, I think we'd ridden out a bit of pressure from them initially, but the momentum was building. It's probably building a little bit in our favour, I thought, with uh, Gibson's obviously gone through uh, into, into their penalty area, not quite falling for him right to shoot. We were just building a little bit of pressure. And then, yeah, I think just a, a bit of a disappointing goal to concede in the end. I think there's probably a few areas along the way there and, and they and they and they've got the winner, which is frustrating. But uh, yeah, the, the the curse against Cambridge continues. That's a uh, five defeats in the bounce against them, which is maddening. It, it is, and and I think from that point of view, uh, James, I, I think it's a good point that Joel makes that they've got they've had some consistency because they've they've had uh, the, there were a lot of names on that team sheet that I was very familiar with that had been at Cambridge since we got promoted. Uh, but particularly Ironside, Nibs, etc., etc. And I thought Smith up front was a real, real handful. Although he spent most of the time on the ground after Ryan had tackled him. But, <laughs> but from that point of view, uh, that you know, it's a fair point to make. Mark Bonner has had that consistency since he got promoted, and it's something that perhaps we've suffered of a little bit with, with a bit too much. Obviously, chopping and changing with Robbo coming and going. I think that's fair, um, and, and and actually there, there's lots of um, lots of um, similarities between Cambridge and, and Morecambe. Um, I think it's probably fair to say that they're probably two three years ahead of us on a similar um, journey with similar objectives. They want to build things sustainably. They want to um, be able to afford whatever they spend um, um, under their own steam, which is very much like uh, um, like us. Um, they they until very recently didn't have a ground. They just brought the ground back in, and that's obviously taken a lot of effort and planning by the people and the people behind the scenes at Cambridge are the great people. They they want they want the right things for for football and, and for the, for their club. Um, the, the the reality on the football side of things is that yeah, Mark Bonner's had now um, a few years of building up um, a team, and every penny that that they've spent is 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 you know it's it's his spending. It's it, it's players that he wants in the squad, and that does make a huge difference. Um, and that's not to point the blame at any changes that we've had, but yeah, it makes a huge difference when you give a manager time and the ability to build their squad and get them all playing the way that they want, they want them to play. Um, so yeah, that, I think that was that's probably the, the major difference, but it wasn't a huge difference. Um, you know, as, as ever, it's fine, fine margins in football. And I, I, it was almost sod's law that we just started to get our tails up. We started to find some space on the right-hand side, created a couple of chances. Gibbo turns into um, Pele and, and s- s- strolls through the area. And you just think, oh, wait. and I actually stupidly turned to um, the person next to me. I said, you know what, we're going to get a goal here. This is, this is coming. And literally 30 seconds later, um, yeah. at the other end, um, and it's 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 just one of those things. But um, but yeah, from a foot, from a club perspective, and I think a football perspective, they've just had that little bit more stability for that little bit longer, um, and that that probably that probably shows through. And uh, from a, a team's perspective, Ryan, uh, that's going to be um, a. It was a difficult game. We knew that they're all difficult games, but it was a game that we were in for large parts of it. But it's pretty much reverse of the forest green. They score on sort of like 86, 87 minutes and it's difficult to come back from that, isn't it? It's, it's like the killer goal. Yeah, I think it was um, a real sucker punch for us, really. I think probably in the 15-minute spell before that, I think we really kind of uh, got the terms kind of with them and we were putting a lot more pressure on them. Uh, 
and obviously felt like we were staying up in the final third a lot more, getting a lot more kind of crosses and final third play. But uh, that goal that we got obviously got caught in the counter attack. It was a sucker punch for us really with how the second half kind of went towards the first. Yeah, there wasn't really that much time to come back. And obviously, Cambridge being the side that they are, they were very, very absolutely brilliant at getting it to the corner flag at every single opportunity. And as a home fan, that's the most riling thing. But when you're winning away from home, the away fans applauding every single thing. You can't blame them. It's it's good it's good habit, isn't it, from that point of view? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I think, obviously, you've, you've got to do the dirty work in football and it's the dark arts, really. Um, there's there's going to be moments in the game where you can obviously play nice football and stuff like that. But when it, when it comes down to winning three points, you have to do the other side of the game as well. And I'll come back to something that James said. You said that Gibbo turned into Pele. I was going to say Maradona because he skipped past two or three there. Does he do that in training, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, J- Jensen's uh, like technically he's right up there. He's uh, good off both feet and he he's he's got a, a drop of the shoulder where he can kind of really sell somebody and take off really. And I think uh, that goal showed that really. Uh, what we see kind of more on a day-to-day basis uh, and he's scored quite a few goals for us now this season, and I think he, that's not, it's only a start for him. Top scorer, top scorer. He's got. Is he got four? Has he got four? Everybody. Joel, yeah, Joel, four, four in all competitions. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> but I, I, I was fortunate enough that I was sat in the stand and I was right when when he when he, I knew he, I knew and he knew he was going to beat that that fullback to it, and he just waited, timed, and then megged him. And then when he went on, he, you could see him give the keeper the eyes, and he went, look far post, and then smashed it near post. It was just, a, it was a brilliant goal, and I was like nudging my missus, going, "Oh, here we go!" And of course, obviously, we know what happened. So that was my kiss of death, wasn't it? But what what did the gaffers say at half time to you that that changed it round a bit? Because I thought I thought we dealt with them better in the second half. They had what ten corners in the first half, and they only had a couple in the second. So we were obviously defending a lot better. Uh, and then, as has been alluded to, we had that 10, 15-minute spell where uh, we had a right go. We got some real good crosses in. Uh, Phillips had like a flick header that he didn't get quite as much on and a couple of half chances that didn't quite fall for people. And then, uh, like I say, Gibbo went on that mazy dribble and shot straight at the keeper. So what did what did Gaffer say at half-time? Uh, just really, nothing too major, really, just that we, we have to get up against them a bit more. Uh, we've got a kind of get ourselves in more duels, not sit off as much and kind of soak up their pressure really because they they were playing quite a lot of balls into Ironside and into the front three and uh, the balls were obviously sticking and uh, that gave them like a, a little leg up where their midfielders can kind of gamble off second balls and their defence can get higher up. So he wanted us obviously to be more aggressive as a team, press a bit higher up the pitch and kind of give them less time to pick uh, better balls into the into the front three, really. And I think in the second half, probably bar the, the start of the second half, I think we 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 done well with that. Yeah, it was it was very noticeable that they did play a really, really high line all game. They were defending uh, even free kicks that were just taken just inside our half. They were standing 10 yards outside the D, yeah. as if, well, knock it in that space and we're quite happy. Yeah. And uh, so we did the same. And... The, so like the first 20 minutes of the second half, it was very, very condensed and very scrappy. Mm-hmm. But then we tended to get the upper hand. 
And I think some of the, I, I could see what Derek was trying to do with the changes. He was trying to give us more width, Joel, but, and, and he, the people were very critical uh, on the night saying the subs didn't work, but that's the chance you take, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I agree with the subs. I, I didn't really, I'm, I'm not really sure three five two was the shape to go against Cambridge because of the way they play with, with a couple of wide men, and then you get your full backs up. It means they can double up on our yeah. wing backs and then getting behind, and then that that causes a bit of a problem stretches our midfield as well because there's three. Essentially, you've got three midfielders trying to cover the width of the pitch. So, you know, I I, I, I was glad to see that change. To be honest, uh, whether it really, I'm trying. To, Think about how much it really affected the game. I mean, I don't think the goal was really down to the changes. I don't think it was down to the formation really or anything. I think, like we said, you know, we, we were starting to get the upper hand. I think um, Nahua had gone on a couple of nice little amazing dribbles. He'd given us a little bit more of that ball carrying. Obviously, Conley stretching the play running in behind. You know, I, I think we were, you know, we were starting to get the upper hand a little bit. I wouldn't say the changes really were ones that playing to our detriment, really. I, I thought we were kind of getting there, really. But, yeah, in the end, you know, they've they've managed to get the goal in the end. And, yeah, it's disappointing. But, yeah, probably wouldn't put that down to the changes. So, looking at looking at the, uh, you know, the overall Cambridge hoodoo that we've got, uh, and the last two seasons we've managed to go there and lose 2-1 to a dodgy penalty, uh, you know, uh, I'm hoping the football gods smile on us when we go to the Abbey Stadium this time, and, and maybe we can get the the dodgy penalty. But uh, just just before we came on air, you were you were you had rather a revealing stat about Donald Love, Joel. Oh yeah, no, yeah, he's been playing wing back a bit, obviously, and uh, yeah, I think he's one that's come under fire a bit on on social media, and I think at times quite harshly because if you look, I think people are. You know, it's easy to kind of get very one-sided over a player and, and dig yourself into a trench. But ultimately, he's, I was I was looking at a few of the numbers and he's he's created the most chances uh, out of our team. He's created the most big chances, got the most assists. So yeah, I guess I guess when we're kind of looking at the the way we sometimes react to, to games, and yeah, it's it's worth trying to be balanced and looking at both sides of things and. You know, rather than just kind of seeing one thing and just going to absolute town on it. I'm, I'm smiling because I'm I'm being devil's advocate here now straight away because I'm thinking that's a great stat. But can we split that stat even further into he's created more chances missed or more chances scored? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's got I don't most, expect you to know that. He's, but... he's got the most assists, so yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's good enough for me. Right, we'll move on, uh, and it's time to chat with our guest Ryan. Um, Ryan, you, you were. Am I right in thinking? Correct me if I'm wrong. Give me the story. Uh, we we nabbed you off uh, Bolton Wanderers. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So we nabbed you off Bolton Wanderers. Uh, what was the situation then? Did they want you to stay? Because that's the version that I heard at the time, and I sort of re- recall it now and think, well, tell us how it happened. Um, yeah. So the season finished. I uh, got offered a new contract um, at Bolton, and uh, I didn't really at that at that moment in time think it was the the right thing for me. Um, I hadn't played for the last uh, two months of the season because I got injured in the game, and uh, the team obviously went on a win and run, so I couldn't get back in. Um, so I just kind of wanted to go into the summer and kind of see what my options were, um, and just basically I wanted to, to go somewhere, a fresh start, and kind of put my head down and get back to. To playing games and stuff like that so I went home in the, in the summer and 
that's uh, when I got in contact with, with Robbo. Um, he rang me, obviously, and wanted to get me on board. And uh, it was, uh, as far as you were concerned, Robbo sold the club and said, right, it's a done deal sort of thing. You were quite happy to sign because he was, obviously, you did start most of the games, didn't you? Uh, yeah, no, I uh, spoke to Robbo, obviously, and uh, it, was, it was an exciting Second project. Uh, obviously, Robbo was coming in at a similar time to me. It was it was new for him as well, but he, he sold the club to me well. Um, obviously, family kind of like club, close like close knit, and uh, I just felt like that. Sometimes you can kind of just get a good feeling when something sits well for you, and you can you have to go with your gut. And I went with my gut, and uh, we're still here now. And I'm going to say because well. There has been, shall we say, it's been, we've had some rocky patches, both, you know, personally and both team-wise, because obviously uh, we're in a situation where we've played a few games and it, it sort of seemed to be around sort of Christmas time that um, you fell out of favour. Um, he, got, he got other people in, um, obviously Jacob Beddo, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Trevor Carson obviously came in in goals. And then you ended up going on loan to Scunthorpe, uh, and obviously, obviously, well documented what happened at Scunthorpe. How how was that? That must have been a that must have been terrifically hard. Um, yeah, at at the time um, when I come around, obviously, I wasn't playing too many games, and I'm not the sort of person that likes to kind of like sit on my laurels. And obviously, I was in the stand for a couple of games before uh, before December, and I just felt like to. I need to kind of uh, maybe just basically to push the reset button. I need to get myself back playing games because when I can get a run of games, I feel like that's when I play my best football. Right. Uh, before that, I was kind of in and out and I felt like I couldn't really get a rhythm to myself. Um, obviously, I was making mistakes. I wasn't playing my best football and that that, that goes with it. Um, and then January come around and uh, I felt like that was best for me and... Uh, obviously the club at the time that I go out on loan to, to get some games and then see where that left me in the summer. Uh, so I had a conversation with Robbo and uh, the staff and we, we were on a mutual agreement that a loan was the, the best option for me. Um, I knew the, the manager at Scunthorpe, Keith Hill, before. Uh, I've worked under him uh, twice before that, so I kind of knew what he was about. He, he knew me and I felt like it was a, a good fit at the time um they weren't in the best position but i felt like it was it was going to be a a, a difficult time but a, a time where i can kind of get myself going they're going to have to defend a lot uh games going to be scrappy and i felt like that it was it was going to help help me more to kind of get back into the mix of things and that's that's how it came about and it it, it appears it will well with hindsight um, although for team wise, it might not seem like a good move, but obviously when you came back to us in the summer, obviously we we by then uh, Robbo's disappeared to St Mirren and we've got uh, we've got Da back, mm -hmm. uh, so you've got a, you've got a kind of pair of fresh eyes to impress when you come back to pre season training. Did that help? Um, yeah, it helps. I think the, when I was going on loan, the the idea was to to still come back in the summer and basically just get go, get back going. Um, obviously, Robbo left and uh, that obviously changes things. It, it kind of sometimes can put a little bit of doubt in your head. So the new manager's going to come in. The, you have the, the him-ha where you're 
thinking, am I going to be in his plans? Am I not? Uh, so I just looked at it basically after the season. I had had some time at home. Um, and I just said, look, I'm just going to put myself in the best that I can in uh, pre-season, do my work in the off-season and go back in pre-season. It's a free hit and uh, see where that takes me, really. I just said, like, I'll put my head down. I'll give my all. I'll train hard. I'll make sure I'm in the best state I can be and I'll see where that takes me. If it doesn't work out, um, I can't say that I didn't try. And it's, um, you know, I, I don't mind I don't mind saying, uh, and I, I'll tell you this, and my mates who listen to this will be saying, oh, he's telling all our secrets. But there's been situations this season already where they've we've, we've turned around and you've made, as I said, an intercepting tackle because you've read it coming. Mm-hmm. And some of my mates have turned around and gone, who's that bloke who looks like Delaney? <laughs> because they're like, wow, you know, because it, it appears that they're sort of like getting the getting the battle back in you at Scunthorpe has done you a world of good because you've come back and I'm not being funny, you do look like a different player and you've kept your place because you deserve to. That's from you know, that's from the barter card anyway, you know. Yeah, no, it it, it was a difficult three months. I, I won't I won't lie about that. It was a difficult three months, uh frustrating three months at times, but I think it it, it stood to me. Um there was difficult times, but sometimes you just have to override them and I feel like it, it was as much of a positive as, as it was a negative at the time. And I feel good for it now. Um, it put me in a, in a good position and I just want to kind of keep going. Yeah, we want you to keep going as well. <laughs> Joel, he's all yours. Yeah, I just thought <clears throat> initially I'd kind of ask about uh, playing in the League of Ireland because it's obviously something you've had a, a lot of experience with. But I think a lot of people... Uh, have quite aggressive conversations about the comparisons between English football and Scottish football, but uh, nobody really talks about the comparisons with English and Irish football. Maybe because there's a little bit less movement. Maybe it's because there's some large body of water in between. But yeah, what 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 would you say the kind of main differences are? Uh, the main difference is the in the Premier Division, which is the the top division in Ireland. All the teams aren't full time, so there's probably about eight teams that are full-time out of give or take. I think it's maybe 14, 15 teams. So there's about eight to 10 teams that are full-time. And then there's four or five teams, give or take, that are, are part-time that um, the players obviously have to, to work as well on the side. Um, so sometimes there can be like a, a gulf in, in standard between the teams that are at the top of the table and the bottom of the table. Um, but in terms of the standard, I think the, the standard is quite high. I think over probably the last six, seven years, I think a lot of players have made a step from the League of Ireland uh, over to League One and the Championship, I think, in England. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a good stepping stone, I think, for, for younger players, obviously, like myself, that you can get games under your belt. And I think a lot of English teams now are kind of targeting that market. Um, they're... At the time, there was a lot more shorter contracts, so it kind of gave teams um, like a free hit kind of on players that players were signing one-year contracts. And uh, the season starts in February and finishes in November, so it gives English teams kind of uh, six weeks to kind of get in the players' uh, head, basically, to kind of get them to jump across the pond in January before signing a new contract. And... Uh, kind of get them on smaller fees or sometimes get them on a free contract. So um, 
I think it's it's a it's a good market, obviously, and there's a lot of players that have kind of progressed from the League of Ireland uh, over to the to the football league and even the championship. So speaking about that, those kind of short term contracts, obviously you've moved to Burton after a bit of a spell at Wexford. Was that similar to what happened with you? Then was that kind of they were kind of watching you for a few weeks in, in January or whatever, and then kind of come over and tempted you over to England. Uh, mine was actually in the in the middle of the season, so we just had like a, a mid-season break, which which it is. And my move to Burton kind of come about uh, really quickly. Really, I just got a phone call from my agent. Um, I was in university at the time, so I just finished uh, my year in university, um, and I just got a text from my agent saying that you're going over to Burton on uh, Thursday, and obviously you've got. Uh, two days of training and there's a game on Saturday so I just kind of thought of it as a a free hit really Uh, my club obviously were uh, really easy going in terms of they wanted me to kind of give myself the best opportunity to get moved to England so I came across for the two days and played the pre-season friendly on Saturday and that it it just went as as quick as that really I signed um, that Monday and the rest obviously is kind of history now really that, that, that sounds that sounds terrifically laid back in Irish, all that, doesn't it? <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh my, my club were all right, and I thought, well, yeah, my agent said, and I was like, like bloody hell, fire! That's what, <laughs> what I did. That's so easy. I just kind of seen it as myself. I seen it was a, it was a free hit. Uh, I get to see myself in a different a different environment uh, with players that were full time because at the time I wasn't actually full time. Uh, we were part time, so we trained Monday, Wednesday, and we game on a Friday. So I, I just kind of went into it open-minded, uh, went over. If it went well, great. If it didn't, it's a learning curve. Obviously, I've still got half a season to to maybe impress someone else or improve myself in, in that next six months. So that's that's kind of how I looked at it. And it, it obviously went a lot quicker than I was expected. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to ask, what were you studying at university? Uh, sports and exercise, um, sports and exercise and business. How do you balance uh, first year activities along with being a professional, uh, well, a semi pro sportsman? Yeah, to be fair, I, I missed out on probably quite a few of the, the first year, <laughs> first year uh, fun, you might say, but uh, looking back now, I, w- I wouldn't change it. I've obviously got my move over to England and uh, as a professional footballer, so I wouldn't change it for a minute, missing any any night out or you can, anything. You can, you can do freshers week when you're 40, when you retire. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you're a student. Yeah, get it all in, get it all in when you're a bit older. So, uh, yeah, just moving on to uh, playing England. So, I guess I was going to ask initially, was it quite daunting moving to to, to England at quite a young age? But you've, you've already got, gone to university at that point and... To even speak about it now, it sounds like you were quite relaxed about it, really. Yeah, um, yeah, I think I'm I'm quite a, a relaxed person. Obviously, my family are a bit different to me. I I, I kind of take things uh, in my stride and kind of go with the flow. My family obviously wouldn't uh, be agreeing with me on on that part of things. Uh, I can add obviously extra stress to them, which uh, <laughs> doesn't bode well. But yeah, I think I, I just kind of go in, into things kind of full-hearted really and I just like to make things work which however difficult it may be I just kind of want to put my head into it and it'll all work out in the end really if you if you put your head into it exactly well 
I think this 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 summer, as we've kind of spoken about, is kind of testament to that, and with kind of putting your head down, it, it does turn out, doesn't it? So, uh, with kind of bearing down specifics, when when you kind of like you're looking ahead to to, to this summer, when you kind of say you, you were working on things, was that kind of like more time in the gym? Was it more time with with a coach or a trainer or something? Um, so it was it was a, it was a mix a mix of both, uh, to be honest. So I. Um have a couple of friends that uh, ha- like work in the gym back home. So I was kind of going in, uh, doing sessions there most days. Um, and then I do like normally gym work in the morning. And then like some afternoons I'll go to the running track or I'll go to the football pitch to do a little bit of extras myself. And uh, I'm quite um, a morning person. So I like to get things done quite early in the day. So I can have like the later on the day to kind of relax more and, uh, see from my family and friends really because throughout the year I don't really get to see them as much as probably I'd like but uh, my summertime I'd like to have a good mix of obviously doing uh, my my off-season work and making the most with my friends and family. So I guess from that perspective it's not only devoting a bit of time to you know working on stuff in the gym etc but it's also I, I guess a bit of a, a mental refresh a bit, of, a bit of a mental reset seeing friends and family. Uh, definitely, definitely. I think uh, ev- everyone's the same with, with friends and family. They feel a lot more relaxed um, uh, and thing- things obviously are a lot easier. Um, you get to see you're a lot, probably a little bit happier as well w- without really thinking about it. In the back of your head, you probably don't really notice it as much as it probably does work. Um, and then, yeah, I think it's sometimes you can just switch off a little bit more and kind of... Uh, just mess around with your mates and do things what you used to do when you were younger, you know? Um, and it's not probably as serious as, is, as it is for the, the nine months, obviously leading up to the, to the summer. So I think it's, it's a good reset for, for me personally, anyway, to, to go home and see my friends and family. So kind of on, on kind of the, the mental side of things, I guess more when, when obviously Derek uh, over the summer transfer listed a lot of players and, and he has since kind of come out and said, you know, a lot of it is, to try and just free up areas of the budget so he has more flexibility. So when you kind of get the news like that about being translated, how hard is it to kind of frame it in the mindset of it just being business and just try not to take it like too personally? Yeah, no, it, it, it is tough. I think uh, hearing a first is probably, is, is probably a bit hard thinking really. Uh, so it, it, it's not a nice feeling if, if we're going to be honest. It's the same as any way of life. It's not a, a nice feeling, kind of feeling like that. You're probably maybe not wanted as, as much as someone else, but I felt like I, I got over that quite quick, really, and I just looked at it as, as a free hit, really, because obviously I hadn't been there for the couple of months that Derek had come in, so I just wanted to go in and kind of see it, see how 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 it took to it. Um, and luckily enough, it's kind of it, it's worked out well so far, so. Um, I'm happy enough how it's going. So I, I guess almost in a funny way that the fact that you were there, the, the, you were away in uh, playing for Scunthorpe kind of meant that it was you, you could kind of maybe distance yourself from the decision a bit more. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we we well, I found out that obviously I was transfer listed probably just before the end of the season, so I kind of had some time to kind of uh, take it all in really and. Uh, I have a long think about it really and obviously uh, I've got family members that will be totally honest with me so 
I had to take some home truths which are fully fully deserved and I just knew I had to come back and show the, um, the best part of me and I think with, with hard work it, it kind of all kind of vadams out in the end really. So it sounds like the, the decision to stay and try and prove yourself to Derek instead of looking for another club it sounds like that you came to that decision quite quickly then yeah no I did um I felt like either way football is it's a it's a weird business if we all look at it it's a game of opinions um and people's opinions can change it's the same as any way of life uh you can't take things too personal uh because it's Things can just, it can be like one in, you can be one injury away from getting back into the team, or you can be one injury away from playing and being totally out of the picture. So you've, you've got to kind of make the best of, the, of, a, of a bad situation and you've got to take it all as it comes to you, really, and kind of enjoy the moment more than looking too far into the future, looking too far into the past. Um, you've got to enjoy the moment and just get on with it, really, in, in simpler terms. So moving on to some kind of more specific kind of footballing questions, uh, the, the slightly devious one to ask is, what's Derek like uh, to work under compared to Stephen Robinson? Uh, they're different managers, uh, different managers in different ways, but I think both have got similar, um, similar ideas that they want you to, to work hard uh, as, a, as a team and kind of, Get amongst get amongst people, not soak up loads of pressure. I think that both managers obviously want to to get at the opposition, um, and then obviously they've they've got different temperaments, which everyone does really. Everyone's got different temperaments, so that's how that's how they are. Yeah, I know. Actually, yeah. good <laughs> diplomatic a, answer. That I, good I, diplomatic I, answer. Steve, <laughs> actually, have you ever uh, thought of going into politics? Hey, I should. I think so. <laughs> it is quite a contrast, actually. Uh, just from uh, watching from the stands, uh, Stephen Robinson, but he was like he was walking on hot coals uh, in the technical <laughs> area. And Derek is kind of arms folded, kind of deep in thought, isn't he? Yes, he is. He is. Uh, just finally, uh, we've played. You obviously, there's been quite a, a lot of switching around in, in different systems uh, between three at the back and four at the back. So, for you as a defender, what are the kind of main differences for you and your kind of job roles in, in those two different systems? Uh, I think in the, in the two different systems, I think in a back three, you, you've got a little bit more freedom to uh, go higher up the pitch and on a defensive kind of side of the game, you've you've got a bit more responsibility to kind of go wide and sometimes have to have to deal with a winger or one of the, one of the back threes is going to be free, so one of us is going to have to step into a a midfielder if the if the moment arises which in a in a back four it's it's a bit more rugged really um that there's there's not really too much thought about the attack inside the game but in the back three we have a lot more freedom to kind of push up the pitch and kind of go into areas where in a back four you probably don't really ever get into um could you want to have a left back and left back is kind of going to be more in that area as it comes so Offensively, you've you've got a lot more freedom, I think, in a back three. But uh, you've got to kind of defend a little bit higher up the pitch. I think you've got to get tighter to a winger, probably more in their in their half um, than you would probably in a back four. So that's quite interesting. You put it like because I think 
I, I look around on, on, on Twitter and whatever, and I think there's a lot of perception that being in a back three kind of protects some centre-backs in some ways. But would you kind of almost say at times it kind of is more difficult and more exposing because you are having to kind of be a bit more aggressive or move into wide areas where yeah. you're getting attacked by a, a winger who's really tricky? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it, it's both obviously a, a lot different. I think it's more rigid, obviously, in the back four. But in a back three, I think it depends, obviously, on the soil as well. I think that we kind of get up, go up uh, amongst the team. So we're kind of in probably more 1v1 duels, I think, um, high up the pitch. Um, then obviously other back threes where you're probably sitting more in a back five than you are in a back three. Um, so you, you get a bit more protection, really. But I think uh, with the way that obviously our wingbacks play, that they play kind of uh, offensively to, to get crosses into the final third and obviously expected to to be in, in round the back post, it kind of gives us more of a responsibility to push up against kind of like higher midfielders or inside forwards slash wingers. That's all really interesting. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, back over to you, Freeze. I, I, uh, I've i got just one more thing I want to mention. And obviously this is a, a general question, Ryan. Um, like I say, we've, we've not had the best start to the season, but... We've been we've been in other than probably the Sheffield Wednesday game where I thought they were quality right acrosses. Even against MK Dons, we had the chances and created and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. How, how's it going in the squad? Is 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 everybody confident that we're going to pull ourselves out of the of the mire, or are we? Are you all sort of thinking, ooh, you know, or do do you not talk about it? No, I think we're confident. I think going into the season, uh, we obviously had a lot, a big, a big change in the in the group, so we had a lot of new players. I think uh, we realised pretty quickly in pre-season that we we've got some quality players and a lot of good technical players. So I think we realised that we we've got the players in the squad to to put it up against the majority of teams in this league, and uh, I think it's probably a little bit harder from the outside to see in because. It, it all depends on how a game goes on the Saturday or on a Tuesday. But I think for us as a group, we see massive improvements from where we were at the start of the season to where we are now. Mm. And I feel like we're all striving in the in the one direction to kind of get, get into a rhythm of winning games. I think that we've we've played well in games, but results haven't gone our way. So it can kind of, it can take away from it, which that, that's, that's what the game is. The game is getting results on Saturday. But I think sometimes it can, it can be taken away to the, to the improvements we've had since the start of the season. Um, like everyone pushes themselves from in the whole squad on a day-to-day basis. Training's intense. You wouldn't know that we're, that we're mates <laughs> when we're mates that we're off the pitch live because in training, no one like everyone puts that to side and we're all kind of like I'd say like aggressive in training. It's not like hairy fairy and stuff like that. So I think Are you kicking lumps out of each other. <laughs> basically, yeah. And and nobody takes it personal either because that's just the way it has to be for us to to improve as a squad. And I think that we've seen improvements, so we wanna pushed out onto a Saturday so that the people on the outside can see that because we know how much work that we're putting into it and sometimes us obviously not getting the results can kind of take away from that so we want to get uh, build momentum into getting results and getting wins and putting points on the board so people can kind of appreciate 
what's kind of going on in the background. I think it's a, a good point to make and to move on, James, is the fact that, um, you know, the, the, how are you doing? How are you doing on a Saturday, particularly in uh, the, the state of the country as it is? It does affect your mood on a Saturday evening, and it can ruin, ruin or make a weekend, can't it? And I know there was quite a lot of criticism uh, for the defeat on Saturday, and a lot of people saying no, it was a poor game and Cambridge were rubbish, which I don't think were true. I don't think I think it was quite a good game, but I think we come back to something that you've always mentioned, and it's always fine margins, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and, you know, you can't get away from the fact that football is a, is a results um, game. All sports are, are about results, not about performances. I do think it's really important, though, that um, you look at performances as well as as well as well results. Um, and yeah, you can see there's nobody in the team um, flapping. There's nobody in the team um, giving up. Derek is not flapping. He's calm. I think you know, he, he, Derek does not does not sort of um, show a huge amount of emotion. That's just that's just the type of person he is. He didn't show any very much emotion at Wembley until the final whistle um, a couple of years ago. Um, and that's just Derek. Um, and after you've had people like you know Jim Bentley and, and Rob O leaping around and sort of you know fist pumping and everything else, it can come across like you know people aren't bothered. That's just absolutely not the case. Um, you know, everybody, everybody in the squad, everybody in the club, um, Derek massively, massively care. And um, and yeah, it, it is difficult at the moment. You know, people are staring down the barrel of, of, of silly mortgage increases and huge energy bills and everything going up in price. And it's, it's you know, you could get you could very easily if you watch too much of the news, get yourself into a really bloody miserable position. And a win on a Saturday makes a makes a huge difference to, to how we all feel because we're football fans and we, we love football. Um, but I think it is, it is important to remember that, um, you know, it's, it's still relatively early in the season. We've had an awful lot of change in the squad. Um, and, you know, it's a case of a bit, it's a bit of Kipling, isn't it? You know, if you can keep your head and all about you losing theirs and blaming it on you. And we've got to maintain calm heads. Um, and I think, you know, the example that Ryan's just been talking about, the way that he's, he's tackled adversity, the way that he's tackled, um, you know, being, being challenged and coming, coming in for a lot of stick is just to work hard and prove your worth. And that's, that's what we've got to do. Um, so yeah, I, to, to your point, Freeze, it is difficult at the moment. A win on a Saturday makes a big difference to how we all feel. It would have made a big difference to how I felt at sort of half past five on, on, on Saturday as well. But it's still early, very early days, and, and the team and Derek aren't panicking in either way. And that's good to hear. Um, so moving swiftly on, we'll come to you now, James. The usual sort of boardroom uh, rumours. I've just literally. Literally, I don't want to shock you with this one, but I've just seen that the club are advertising for a, a, a physiotherapist. Farney's leaving, is that right? I only found that out about an hour ago, so I've got yeah. no inside track on that. I just got <laughs> I'm a just, message to say literally, I just got a text this is through. happening. <laughs> Funnily enough, Farney, Farney's mum uh, and dad were at the game on Saturday in the boardroom, um, and I probably should have put two and two together, but I just didn't have a conversation with anybody. So yeah, that's that's obviously um, yeah, you know a, a big shame. He's been with the club a very very long time, and I think it's fair to say that from a sort of a general establishment perspective, he's a bit of a legend. Um, but you know, we we will obviously wish him all the best. He's an absolutely lovely, lovely, lovely man, and, um, and you know whatever he's, whatever he's going on to do, I, I hope he hope he does brilliantly. But yeah, I've got no inside track on that. Um, I literally found about an hour ago, and didn't have a chance to say what's happened and why. <laughs> So I'm second guessing him here. He's either going to be a horse race trainer or a wine expert when he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan, you get that one, don't you? <laughs> um, so 
Um, I know we, we spoke last time you were on, James. We were, we were talking about the importance of uh, getting the getting the the official news through that uh, Morecambe FC were getting Morecambe FC ladies officially. Um, and under that umbrella, they had a, a humdinger of a game at the weekend, didn't they? Yeah, it certainly certainly sounds like it was. Um, I think probably people would have wished for the game to stop at half time. Um, we, we went we went into the lead. Apparently, it was a cracking first goal, two all at half time, and you're thinking, well, this is this is this is this is steady, and then. Um, our, our, our Cumbrian friends um, stuck a whole load in. Um, I'm told that several were iffy from an offside perspective, but I, I, I wasn't able to be there, so I can't, I can't, I can't claim claim any any inside track on that. Um, but it's it's really good to see, and what's what's really good to see as well is the level of reporting going up and um, everything just feeling much more integrated and everything looking and sounding like it's it's more. Com- I think that's really really important, um, and I know that everybody in, in that setup is going to work massively hard to get to get the um, the, the the MSC women's um, side of things up to the highest possible level. And the lovely thing is there is still an opportunity in, in, in the women's game, um, if you really get everything to sort of click to to really drive things to a higher level. Um, it's still not you know, as saturated at the upper end as the, as the men's game. So, yeah, good to see. Um, and, um, and I've got no doubt at all there'll, there'll, be some, there'll be some victories coming down the line. Just as an aside, we, uh, I, I still play, uh, well, I, I do play decrepit walking football, which is for over 50s. And uh, we've been playing for about sort of a couple of years uh, where Barry Roach does his goalkeeping training. And we play on the same nights, Mondays and Wednesdays. But the, the, uh, Janet Preston and her staff started after the uh, after the uh, the success of the women's team in the Euros. They started a, a girls' session, which runs on the p- pitch concurrent to us on a on a Monday. And last night, forty girls, forty girls of ages from seven, eight, nine up to about thirteen or fourteen, forty of them screaming. It was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And us being old lags. Every time our ball went out of play, there was a couple of them who could trap it better than us already. My six-year-old, um, actually, just turned seven. That's a terrible thing. I hope my wife's not listening. Um, my seven-year-old, Emily Emily Jane, she, she was playing football last year um, and she wanted to give it up because she was only playing with the boys. Um, and just like, she was I don't want to play with the boys. Daddy. I want to play with, with play with girls. And she's literally just taking it up again. And in no small part, it was due to watching literally 50, 60, 70,000 people watching the women's game. Um, uh, that that tournament, and so yeah, I've seen I've seen the direct impact of of, of the, the much higher profile of the, of the women's game in my own, my own house, and you know she's begging me for a new pair of football boots. So um, yeah, it's it is fantastic, um, and she's already got a better, better first touch than her dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck to her. But that that's another reason I wanted to mention it in the podcast because I think you know they're all we're all. We're all we're all Morecambe Football Club, and I think it bears mentioning. I I wasn't going to mention the final score, but I was just going to say they uh, kindly they ran out of steam. But that's just you know it's to be expected, isn't it? Really, so yeah, absolutely. So moving on, um, I've got to ask you. Obviously, the other news that came out yesterday was Worcester Warriors going into administration. Uh, when obviously Jason and Colin are foot in both camps, uh, it was rather concerning what was coming out on the news. Obviously, it made the national news. Uh, but obviously, fingers crossed, you can give us an update and say it doesn't affect us. Yeah, that's true. It's the same update that we gave a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, Jason and Colin have, have now stepped off the board. Um, as I said, when I was on a couple of weeks ago, um, they, they they would like to find a buyer for the club. 
um, we're financially in a, in a better position than we've been in, certainly in, in my time in involvement with the club. And, you know, the fact that we were able to wait until the end of the transfer window before making any announcements and um, and the fact that there has been no, no impact on the club um, is, is hopefully testament to that. I do really feel for the people associated with Worcester Warriors. Um, obviously, it's, it's heartbreaking to see that happen to any organisation. Um, and I, I can only offer, you know, sympathy and, and, and empathy to, to, to that position. But... You know, it, it it doesn't it doesn't affect Morecambe Football Club. Um, you know, we we we've got our finances to a place where um, we're, we're we're very close to being sustainable, um, and we're going to keep working on that um, for as long as possible. And we haven't got a buyer yet, um, but there are people interested. And so, the moment things um, develop on that side, it'll be it'll be publicly announced to anybody who feels like we're not sharing information. It's because. There isn't any information to share. If there were a meaningful update, we'd provide it, but there hasn't been a meaningful update. There are people interested, and the message in terms of the, the connection between Worcester and Morecambe is, is still the same. And it's uh, it, it's a valid point you make, the fact that you, you've got to have sympathy with their situation, because the simple fact is, five years ago, we were <laughs> probably not far off that from a, a, a club's point of view ourselves, with doubts about ownership, people coming in saying they're going to buy it, haven't got any money and want to do underwater casinos and others from Brazil who shall remain nameless coming in with tuppence to the name saying I'm going to buy it. And I remember the days we were going through that. If we'd have been doing a podcast at the time, I'd have probably been slitting my wrists. Yeah, but it's probably not a coincidence that there wasn't a podcast at the time. In fact, we've got two podcasts now, and plug, and you know Joel's doing multiple guest appearances, so there's various. And you, and you, don't pretend maybe that. once or twice, yeah. But yeah, like, yeah. it's probably, probably not a coincidence. Um, but yeah, all of that, and again, that's that's why I've like, said it a few times. It's, it's my own personal opinion, but it's why it's so important that uh, as many clubs in football as possible pursue a sustainable model um, and 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 spend what they can spend. Um, and it's why the, the game needs needs a bit of a, a rejig so that that's that's encouraged and the opposite is not encouraged. Um, because you know, if you if you force people to gamble, then some people will lose more than they can afford to lose, and that's that's kind of what parts of the game um, force clubs to do at the moment. And I think that's it's it's probably prevalent in every single division. We've seen that that model been adopted by uh, quite a few clubs, and and it's ended in tears, which is very sad for them. And, uh, and I'm obviously, you know, with the the wrong owner, Berry, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, have found that the, the gamble it paid off for a season, but then it didn't the season after. Um, and and I think yeah, you're one of these people who's I know I I follow. Um, the gentleman who's who's uh, leading me nicely into Accrington on Saturday. I follow him on Twitter, and I think he he, spoke, he, he he speaks a lot of sense. And I know you think the same thing. Yeah, I very much do. I like Andy. Um, I'm gutted I can't get back up back up um, this weekend. I was going to catch a train, but that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> and I drove up drove up and up and back by myself last last week. Um, but no, I, I do. I think he speaks a huge amount of sense. Um, and he and he yeah, he sometimes does it a bit, a bit individually um, and without too much support from others. Um, I think he, he's made quite a lot of noise on a number of, of, of good issues recently. The one that I do think anybody who's interested um, should take a look at is, is, is the Crouch Report and the review of football and the potential for um, the imposition of, a, of an independent regulator. Um, I know that the current government is doing all it can to strip back on regulation. I won't offer my own um, uh, strong opinions on that. Um, but for anybody who loves the, loves the game of football, um, the, the more pressure that can be put on the government to um, not 
get rid of, of, of the, the, the findings of the Crouch report and to support um, Tracy Crouch in, in what she suggested and to support the imposition of a, of a regulator that can make the game more sustainable for the whole pyramid, the better. Um, people should be making more noise about it. And, and it's, it's really important. If that gets scrapped and swept under the carpet, then it'll be a massive lost opportunity and more clubs will go under over the course of the next 5, 10, 15 years. It's, it's not sustainable at the moment. It's a, it's a, it's a casino. And I, and I, I know what, to what you're referring to. And I, obviously, from our point of view, yes, it, it, we've got some big clubs in this division and they are, you know, to a certain extent, they're gambling on getting out and getting in the championship. But just about every club in the championship is wanting to take that gamble to enable them to get into the promised land of the Premier League. And therein lies the problem, isn't it? In the fact that you all want to strive to get to the highest level. But somebody, somebody like Bournemouth, Surviving in the Premier League is just is is simply a miracle on crowds of eleven thousand, and uh, if they change if they if they implement the rules so that they are, shall we say, it's a more level playing field and there's a, an equivalent share goes around. I think it's a good thing, and I agree with you. But will it happen? It, it, you know, the, there are people um, who represent the Premier League doing everything they can to to, to stonewall and to to, to slow yeah. down and to to, to confuse. Um, the voices at the bottom of the pyramid are quieter than the voices at the top. They don't have as much say. They don't have as many Twitter followers. Um, there's not. There's not. There's not the same sort of, um, if, if, you know, just general groundswelling of support. And you know, it, it's, it's challenging. But you know, football fans want their club to be successful. And even you know, the most like vehement you know socialist who believes in um, in, in in doing things for the collective good may not be that socialist on a, on a Saturday afternoon when it comes to their team beating another team and they might not hold those same views but I do think it's important that the game is made more sustainable some of the changes that could be made are really quite simple and the argument that you know the Premier League needs to protect itself so that it it can't it can compete with the rest of Europe is just nonsense the Premier League spent more in the last transfer window than every other top league in, in Europe yeah. combined yeah. there are clubs in the championship plucking players out of half of the, the top leagues in in, 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 in Europe so it's not a case of the Premier League needing to compete. It's, it, 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 the, the pyramid just needs a little bit more um, to, to, to be shared around. And then the whole thing is more sustainable. Um, and we don't have berries and, and, and you know, Bolton's a few years ago and Macclesfield's and, and Derby's. You, you know, you've got a game which can be enjoyed by every town up and down the country. So, yeah, it, it's, it's really important. I'd, I'd, I'd really urge people who listen to this to go and read the Crouch Report, read, 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 the, read the, um, the conclusions of it and send a letter, send letters and get in contact with, with our MP and anybody else who they can get in contact with um, because that, that Crouch Report shouldn't be swept under the carpet. And uh, just as a reminder that when the Premier League actually season kicked off in 1992, Oldham Athletic were in it and look where they are now. So it's, it's, it's not the gilded cage that people think it is. But anyway, moving on. Final thing, final thing to chat about. Uh, a positive. We're, uh, we're 25 mile away in East Lanks. You can't get there by train, as you and Joel have already alluded to. I'm going to drive. Uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, Ryan's getting the coach. So uh, he's all right. <laughs> but uh, you're, you're getting the bus. Um, Crown Ground, uh, the Crown, the, the, the Crown uh, is it called the Crown Hotel or the Crown? I can't remember what it's called now. Crown anyway. Oil? Or... I can't no. remember. Anyway, no, the pub. I can't remember. The pub, yeah, the pub. <laughs> uh, the, the pub, one o'clock Saturday. Be there because uh, it's a great atmosphere in there. They do good food. They do good beer. It's always a great away day. And, I, and as, as I've said in the past, uh, Accrington are very. I, I do like Andy, their their chairman. 
uh, I think we're very, very similar to them in so many ways, apart from the fact that we're both uh, little non-league clubs from Lancashire who are, who are punching fantastically in League One. Um, but it's going to be a tough game. They've got a decent, they've got plenty of players to pick from. <laughs> Squad of 41, Joel, uh, if they've got injuries, they, they can probably ride it out. So it's going to be a tough game. Yeah, I mean, I think over the past couple of two or three seasons, it's become very clear what you're going to get from Accrington. It is getting get up to the pitch to the big lads, really, and then uh, yeah. get well, the they, second they had, they had 10 big lads last year. The only one who wasn't was John O'Sullivan. I know, exactly. And, well, that's the thing. Then they have people like John... Obviously, he's gone, he's gone back over to Ireland now, but uh, they have people like John O'Sullivan, obviously, with Conville this season, uh, and Sean Wally, who, who can cross the ball quite well to the big lads in the middle. So, you know, they, they've got a good game plan. It's clear. I know, obviously, probably, you know, you'll get, you'll get people who say, oh, it's not very attractive, whatever, but it's very effective. They're good at doing it. So... If that helps them survive on on a smaller budget, then yeah, you you know you can totally see why they do it. But yeah, I, I just you know it's going to be apparently you might rain a bit, which uh, is going to be fun on the terrace. I'll buy, uh, seats. I'll buy seats in that stand then. I know, yeah, I, I don't know why I booked a seat a standing ticket, but I have. So my mistake, I'll. I'll I, I, I stand at home and you sit because you're posh. And the away when you've got a chance to sit somewhere posh, you stand. I want the novelty. It's accurate in the way. You know. Oh, I see. A, it's a badge of honour. It's you know, <laughs> in this league, going to a going behind that um, behind that home and with no uh, with no roof. But yeah, I think you know. Please come on, please, please Ryan. It's going to be raining. We're going to be standing behind the goal. Come on, I've never seen this beat Accrington before. I mean, we have beaten them, but I, I was away, so uh, it'd be hugely appreciated. Oh, I hope the bus breaks down. <laughs> <laughs> question, question for Ryan. Ryan. How, how frustrated are you? You've been that close to scoring about five times this season. This would this would be the weekend to fix that, honestly. This is the weekend to stick those two headers in. Yeah. No pressure. No pressure. I keep getting I keep getting told that by everybody. <laughs> oh well well done, James, for telling what everybody tells No, no, no. Hey, listen, I say it in a good way. I think I think the fact you're getting close is, is fantastic because getting close is it turns into goals, doesn't it? Yeah, hopefully hopefully it comes uh, this Saturday and it can be the start of a few more, maybe, but yeah, so we'll wait and see. Well, all I'll say to you is no pressure, but Faz two Ryan nil. <laughs> Game on. Exactly. So at trick Saturday against Accrington. Yeah. What are the chances? Come on. We'll wait and see. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on going on Saturday? Have you have you done anything special? Are you expecting an aerial bombardment? Because we are. <laughs> yeah, we're ready for whatever comes to us and. It's it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a, a proper local local derby sort of game, and we've got we've got to be at it. And they'll obviously be thinking the exact same in in their dressing room. So it's going to be whoever wants it more, and whoever can kind of push on from when they're on top of the game. So we've got to be right at it. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. There's no doubt in that. Um, and. More than likely, over the last couple of years, it's shown that it's it's a ground where it's a lot of physical bombardment and a lot of crosses coming into the box. So we've got to do our best to to defend well, and our players higher up the pitch will will get us the goals that are needed. But it's it's going to be a physical game and a tough game. And obviously, Joel said about the weather; it's going to be uh, an exciting exciting battle. You could say on Saturday. The only thing that I can guarantee is we've always taken really good numbers there. I think there was about 1,400 there last season. So that was almost like a home game and that's going to help, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I think uh, the, the bigger the bigger uh, 
attendances obviously it can, it can really push you on and I think that uh, our fans are are so loud as well and I think it can give us a little give us a little kick and push us on obviously to to get the win and kind of from what I said before kind of start that momentum to get to get result and kind of really push ourselves on um so Saturday is going to have to be the start of that well, I hope so, because uh, after that, we've only got Ipswich at home and they're rubbish, aren't they? So <laughs> what can possibly go wrong? Uh, so uh, a, a good a good place to wrap up. Have you got anything from the trust there, Joel? Um, not too much. We Obviously, we're recording a bit early this week, so it's only been, <laughs> it's only been a few days since the last one. But yeah, we are meeting, I think by the time most people will be listening to this, uh, this evening, which is Wednesday evening. Uh, but... Uh, Sorry, I've completely made a, I've butchered that, haven't I? We're going to be no, meeting no, on no, Wednesday. No. <laughs> We're going to be right. meeting on Wednesday we, evening. We are, we are recording this on Tuesday because yeah. I'm, I'm going to a gig on Thursday evening with somebody you've never heard of. But anyway, no. <laughs> but yeah, so we're having a meeting with the, with the club on on Wednesday. We've got a lot of people uh, who are new to the board, so that'll be good to kind of get everybody, you know, um, kind of see who each other are and kind of just look look at what we can do over the next year, really, in the next season. So yeah, hopefully it should be. Uh, so a few things discussed and you know some uh, start of a few different projects going. And have you got to we'll see a lot of each other this week, won't we, Joel? I know, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, have you got a boardroom representative at that meeting? <laughs> and yeah, you've got you've got two. You've got you've got Ben, ben and me ben, tomorrow yeah. and, and then you as well. I think it'd be a full house. It'd be good actually, because um with all the new trustees that you've got on board, uh, it'll be really good to get get together. Um I had a chat with two or three of them um, in JB's on, on Saturday until quite late. Um so yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be a constructive meeting. So that's it. This has been episode nine of the Shrimp Net, uh the podcast of the Shrimps Trust for Morecambe FC. Thanks to my guests, uh, James, I'm on the media every week, Wakefield, uh, full kit man, full kit man tonight, what's it, five aside? It's um, it's six, seven aside tonight. Um, what, on a five aside pitch, because you're getting on, on a, No, we, we, we've, got, we've got a full pitch, so we tend to just sort of bring it down to about two thirds, uh, but I will be there in full away kit, um, so oh, yeah. Full away kit, nice, good choice. Uh, well, thanks for joining us, James, and I uh, hope you've enjoyed that, Ryan. Uh, please tell the rest of the squad that, yeah, it's a doddle on here. They don't ask anything nasty, apart from that Joel, who does really interesting questions. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'll, pa- I'll pass on the good word. Yeah, do. And Joel, brilliant as always. Um, thank you for your um, patience with me talking rot half of the time. So this has been uh, episode nine. I hope you've enjoyed it. We've done it a bit earlier, so it might be out a bit earlier, but then again, Joel might change his mind and think it might be just Friday as normal. So there you go. Thanks for listening. We'll see you uh, on the terraces, or you might see me in the stand because I'm going posh at Accrington. See you then. <laughs>